What's going on guys, it's Forrest Hall, um, Real Church Matters, where we talk real church matters because real church matters. How you guys doing? Hope you're doing well. This is episode 119, 119, I'm so excited. Let's get into the housekeeping. Realchurchmatters.com is where you can find the episodes. You can also search on uh, Google and it'll lead you to the SoundCloud or to uh, Apple Podcasts. I'm still, you know, trying to find time to make sure, you know, it's on as many platforms as I can get it on to make sure it's accessible to you and everyone who would like to listen. Uh, So that's coming soon. Um, Thank you to each and every person who has written a review, who has uh, at least posted, you know, five stars or whatever. I appreciate that. Um, Even more so, I appreciate the people who are listening and who are sharing it with their friends and family. You know, we got a lot of kids that are headed off to college. Shout out to uh, Errol, who will be uh, a freshman this year in college. My niece, Amaris, who will be a sophomore. And uh, this is the perfect type of podcast for them. It might not be your cup of tea as an adult. I'm assuming I'm listening. I'm talking to adults. But it might not be your cup of tea. Uh, You might be just listening. I don't know. For whatever reason. But uh, it would be awesome to share it with some young people. Some people who are in uh, peculiar spaces of their life. um, Because those people probably will resonate with this better. Because I was once one of them. And uh, you're seeing what it looks like on the other side. So please share it. Let people know. Um, That's what I do it for. That's what I'm doing it for in the middle of the day on a Thursday. To get it to you today. Uh, with so much going on, I still have to make time to to share, and uh, so it's it's my pleasure, and it's always a blessing. Uh, what else? I also appreciate those who give to help support in a financial way. If you're interested in giving a dollar a month, twelve dollars a year, uh, you can go to Patreon, p a t r e o n dot com forward slash Real Church Matters. It does make a difference. I appreciate it um, more than I can even say. With that being said, as we flashback, last year, this time last year was uh, "Why You Mad" sequel. So it's always a special episode because uh, my nephew loves it. Um, but there's "Why You Mad" and there's "Why You Mad" the sequel. Episode seventy-eight was this time last year. Two years ago was what in the world is worldliness. I love that one. I love any of the ones where I'm kind of giving some insight on some words that we've heard all throughout our Christian uh, journey and haven't always had them explained with some type of clarity so that we can understand its practical use and practical application in our minds and our hearts and our perspectives. As always, it's obedience over audience. Boy, do I love obedience. Obedience has brought me here today. Uh, I have this rule. I have a couple rules. Some of them I won't share, but I have a couple rules that I feel like help me to to guide me through this podcasting thing. One of those rules, number one rule, is if you don't study, don't share. So, you know, I was in a place where it was quite a busy week this week and I hadn't had time to study. At least that's what I thought until I was I was half asleep. I was nestled in bed, ready to go to sleep and boom. Hit me. And when it hit me, I got up and uh, started studying. And there's always time to study. It's just less time to sleep. You know, that's one of my things. But, you know, this was on my heart and and it really overwhelmed me. And it it was like, this is a podcast. So I had already made up my mind I wasn't going to do one because I didn't study. But, um, you know, God knows better. So episode 119 is called The Crowd and the Disciple. And so... This might be a part one, uh, 
or it might be a part, you know, whatever. I don't know. But here's some some ground rules as we go through this. Whenever I do it by myself, I do it as if I'm sitting with you and we having Bible study. So maybe it's the middle of your work day. Maybe you're on lunch break. Maybe you're home with the kids. Whatever. Allocate an hour of your time to this. Cut off the TV. Silence your phone. Put it on Do Not Disturb. Open your Bible to the book of Matthew. That's the only place we're going today. We're just staying in the book of Matthew. So whenever you hear me say chapter 1 or chapter 2 or chapter 14, I'm speaking in reference to Matthew. So right then, you know, you have to worry about half of the address because you know it's staying on the the same street. Same street, Matthew. We're going to study and talk about the crowds. Let's get into it. Number one, Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. This is where we'll start. And this is the start of Jesus's ministry. And it says he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So one of the things I want you to make note of is that his ministry started in Galilee. His ministry started in Galilee and then he did some things. That were consistent throughout. Number one, he taught in the synagogues. Number two, he proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom wherever he went. And number three, he healed every disease and every affliction among the people. Now, the people are the crowds. The crowds. The people are the crowds. So whenever you hear me reference crowd, we're talking about the people. Jesus came for the people. There's nothing wrong with being in the crowd, but there's something wrong with staying in the crowd. That's the first point right there. There is nothing wrong with being in the crowd. There's something wrong with staying in the crowd. Now, the reason why it's nothing wrong with being in a crowd is because that's where we all started. We all started being a part of a group of people who were introduced to Christ. Either through teaching either through someone proclaiming it or either through his mighty works of healing and and dealing in our afflictions. And so we go on in Matthew chapter four, verse 25. And he says, and the great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. So here's here's the crazy thing. Like you start out with these people. They're just in this place. Wherever Jesus goes, there's people. And so you have these people and he's doing these things, but there are people who see him doing these things and hear him saying these things. And it impresses them enough where they begin to follow him. Now, I I know we say that a Christian is a follower of Christ. And I know we say that disciples are followers of Christ but in a deeper way. But we all start out just following Christ. We all start out just following Christ. See, the great crowds begin to follow him. Now, don't make light of this because to go from Galilee to the Jordan on average was about 78.9 to to about 90 miles. So these crowds, no matter where he found them on his journey from Galilee to Jordan, where no matter where he found them, they dedicated time. Now, let's say the average person travels about 12 to 15 miles a day. I'm talking about you're able to walk that amount like just purposefully. You would be able to hit like 12 or 15 miles a day. So it would take about three to five days of walking. And that's if you didn't stop and stuff. And he clearly, you know, we know Jesus stopped and things. So these crowds followed him. They started out just being people who met Jesus because he came to them. But because of what he said and what he did, they began to follow him for miles, for miles and miles. 
and miles because of what he said and what he did. I can see myself in that. I begin to go to church. If I count how many miles I've gone of just going to church, how many miles I've gone of going to different churches, of going to Bible studies, you get what I'm saying? Like if I count all those miles, I've dedicated time to Christ. I've dedicated effort to Christ. I've dedicated myself in one aspect to Christ. We all have. Just the fact that you even sitting and listen to this podcast, you're a part of the crowd. You know what I'm saying? Like not to say that there's a lot of people listening because there's not. But the fact that you heard something about Christ that caused you to seek him out now. They're seeking out Christ. But I want you to understand it. This is not the seeking that Christ is looking for. This is what that seeking looks like in the beginning. I want you to get excited about the fact like you may be a part of the crowd right now, but understand it's just the beginning. Seeking Christ to them right now meant following him. Physically. For miles. Sometimes forgetting to even eat. Matthew chapter 8 verse 1 says when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. Great crowds. They were waiting for him as soon as they saw him. Word had begun to spread. Matthew chapter 21 verse 46 says, and although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they held him to be a prophet. One of the things about the crowds is, is that they hold Jesus in high regard. They hold him to be a prophet. They respect what he says. They were in awe of what he did. The crowd sees Jesus a certain way. This is why I'm, I'm explaining this is because in the church, we have the crowd and then we have disciples. But in order for us to talk about disciples, I want you to understand about the crowd because you might understand who you are and where you are in your walk and challenge yourself and say, you know what? I'm, I don't want to be just in the crowd. The crowd that received his teaching the crowd that listened to him proclaim the gospel, the crowd that welcomed his healing from their diseases and every affliction, the crowd that responded to this stuff so much that they followed him wherever he went, even when it inconvenienced them and caused them great effort and time. The crowd that looked at him and began to revere and respect him as a prophet, so much so that it caused the, the people who did not like Jesus to question whether they should act on their dislike by arresting him or killing him because they feared the crowds. That's how powerful the crowds were. The crowds can, can make other people fear and reverence and worry about the impact of their decisions to attack Christ. But you got to understand, the crowd doesn't understand it. God wants more from them. You can feel accomplished in that. You can feel at home in that. I'm not just a regular person no more. I'm not a person that heard Jesus and laughed at him. I'm not a person that, that uh, didn't give any effort or time to respond to Christ in a, in a way, a, a measurable way. But God wants more for us. He wants us to step out of the crowd. See, a lot of people look, and, and I've heard it at times, that the crowd only responded to Jesus because of his works. And the... You got to you got to you got to look a little deeper. 
Got to look a little deeper. So Matthew chapter 7, verse 28 says, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teachings. I, I'm telling you, I, I, there was a time where I thought that it, if I responded to his teachings, then I must be really where I need to be. But, but being astonished and responding and in favorable of Jesus' teachings doesn't mean that I'm a disciple. It doesn't mean I'm a disciple. These people finished listening to him talk and they were astonished at what he was saying. They weren't just astonished at his works, though they were astonished at his works. Matthew chapter 9 verse 8 says, When the crowd saw it, they were afraid and they glorified God who had given such authority to men. So these, they were astonished at his teachings. They were afraid at his miracles and they began to glorify God. They've been to glorify God. Man, that sounds good. That, Forrest, you asking for a lot. I mean, like, this sounds like this is what we're supposed to be, right? I should be a part of the crowd. No, I want you to understand this sounds like today's church. Today's church is astonished at the teachings. Today's church will retweet it, hashtag it, share it with their friends, buy the tapes, buy the CDs, download the MP3s. They will do it all because they love the teaching from the one they revere to be a prophet. Astonished. Will travel far and wide. The problem is the crowd only responds in a very physical way. The crowd responds to what they hear with astonishment. The crowd responds to what they see with fear and reverence for God. But the crowd does not respond to what they cannot tangibly experience. The crowd cannot respond and will not respond to what they cannot see. Matthew chapter 9, verse 22 through 24. Matthew chapter 9, verse 22 through 34. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, go away for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. This crowd. Laughed, laughed at him, and he told him, go away. But when the crowd had been put outside, Jesus put him outside. He went in and took her by the hand and the girl arose. And the report of this went throughout all the district. So it's something you have to understand. Like they laughed at what Jesus said because it was contrary to what they Saw. They're interested in hearing all the stuff that, that he was teaching. They're interested in be receiving the works. But when it doesn't connect with what they see. There's a struggle. And this crowd had to be put away. Jesus, Jesus has a time for the crowd. But this wasn't the time for the crowd because the crowd did not respond with faith. Because they had a limit to what they would believe. These crowds would see him do things and, and believe it for the moment. But go to the next town or the next thing or the next situation. And you get to see how far their belief goes. There's a limit to what they believe. So while these people understood him to be a prophet. and These people uh, understood him to be powerful. As in doing works and teaching works, they they still couldn't help but laugh when he said, this girl's not dead. She's sleeping. Not because they didn't believe he couldn't heal her, but because he didn't speak about 
what he was going to do. He spoke about what she was already. And I noticed that in church, we are a lot of people like that. It's like, you can believe that God is going to deliver you. But what if he tells you that the place you're in isn't what you think it is? Then people laugh. No, no, no. Don't tell me my situation ain't dead. It's dead. That's why I want you to, to raise it. Don't tell me my, my finances ain't bad. They're bad. That's why I'm asking you for more money. See, we have a, a problem now where we see that the crowd is interested in being taught. They're interested in being healed, but they're not interested in changing how they think. They're not interested in changing how they think. See, the crowd isn't the disciple for that reason. The disciple has been challenged to change how they think. You see the way he engaged with the disciples, and we'll deal with it another time, but he always challenged them in what they thought. Many of scriptures, many of passages where Jesus is talking about perceiving how people think. He was concerned with how people thought. He came to change how they thought. Came to change how they thought. Let's go a little further. Matthew eleven four, And Jesus answered to them and said, Go and tell John what you hear and see. Five. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So Jesus is at this passage telling them uh, to go back and tell John what they saw because they were questioning who they should follow at this point. And he's explaining to them. He goes on to tell them to tell John what they saw so that John can do what he had to do, which is relinquish his followers over to Jesus. And then he turns to the people and explains to them that are all watching. He's like, I know you guys have a respect for John. And he goes to build up a John and let them know he is the prophet. But he came to prepare a way for me. But it's like. Jesus understands. The purpose of the crowd. The purpose of the crowd is to spread the word. Jesus done these things because he understands the crowd will spread the word of who he is. They're doing part. They are the extension of a part of his work. Remember, I said Jesus came and he did a work. He did a three-part work. He taught, he proclaimed, and he healed. Jesus wasn't asking the crowd to heal because the crowd is just a crowd. Jesus wasn't asking the crowd to teach because the crowd is just a crowd. But what the crowd can do is see and proclaim. And they did a good job of that because word spread of who Christ is. They actually continued on what John was doing. John came and he proclaimed. He proclaimed, he spread the word. Jesus understood the crowd's purpose. The crowd's purpose is to see what I'm doing and spread the word. But in order for the gospel to really grow, word can't just spread about Christ. Jesus understood that. In order for the gospel to grow, word can't just spread about me. I have to spread throughout the world. And that can't happen when the crowd just sees and says what they saw. We have to go further. We have to go further. It's time for the crowds to go away. It's time for the crowds to go away. 
Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, 22, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. Jesus sent the crowds on their way. Where I'm going, I have to do something. It's, it, the time is waning. I, I, didn't, I didn't spread the word. The crowds are spreading the word. But now I need disciples. I need disciples. Get in the boat. <laughs> we, we got some more talking to do. You heard me proclaim the gospel. But now you need to sit and let me instruct you. See, because Jesus saw the crowds a certain way. Matthew 9.36 says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus understood this crowd that is following me hasn't really, because they're following me, I, they are, let me make sure I'm saying this right. Because the just because the crowds are following Christ doesn't mean they are allowing him to be their shepherd. And you'd be like, wait a minute, it, but isn't that what a shepherd does? The sheep follow him? No, he said, the sheep know my voice. The sheep know my voice. And though these people understood Jesus as a prophet, though they were astonished by his teachings, and though they followed him, they did not hear his voice. They did not understand what he was saying. They didn't transition from being a part of the crowd to truly being a disciple. They didn't transition from following Christ to actually following Christ. They didn't transition from hearing the gospel proclaimed to living the gospel. He understood this. That's why he, he had compassion on them. He seen they were harassed and they were helpless and they were sheep without a shepherd. Even though they were standing in front of him, even though they were asking him to heal them, even though they were receiving and listening to his teachings, they still were not his sheep. Matthew 14, 14 says, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Healed them physically so that they would know who he is and they would spread and proclaim the word as many in church are doing. Matthew 15, 30 says, and a great crowd came to him, bringing with them their lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute. And many others, and they put them at his feet, and he healed them. Matthew 19, 2 says, and the crowds followed him, and he healed them there. The crowd brings the work. But the disciples, they bring the harvest. Say that again. The crowds bring the work but the disciples bring the harvest. Wherever you go, there's crowds, there's work to be done. But when you see a disciple, you, you, see, you see a person bringing a harvest. Remember, he said the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Why? Because the harvest is ready for us to reap it because the work has already been done. Jesus did the work. Jesus did the work. He's healed, he's taught, he's astonished, he's wild people, he's caused them to glorify God. And it's all there for us to come and reap and produce a harvest. The crowd brings the work, the disciple brings the harvest. The crowds hear the truth, the disciples live it. The crowds know he's a prophet. 
the disciples know he's a shepherd. Matthew 26, 55, at that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I sat in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. He understood that the crowd didn't respond to who he was. They respond to what he said and what he did, but they have they didn't learn how to respond to who he was. They heard all that truth, but didn't understand that he is the truth. They heard him teach about the way, but didn't understand how he is the way. They heard him heal. They saw him heal people of their diseases, but they didn't know and didn't understand and didn't ask him to heal them of the greatest disease of all. That's the difference between the crowd and the disciple. Y'all know you can hear yourself in these stories. I can hear myself. We're called to be different. But we've set the standard for Christianity to the crowd. We haven't set the standard for Christianity to the disciple. If you're taking notes, write that down. We have set the standard of Christianity to the crowd. We haven't said it to the disciple. The disciple is something different. The disciple doesn't hear God, hear Jesus say all these things, hear all these teachings, and then at the minute's notice, change. They went from being listeners to being people standing before him with swords And clubs. He said, y'all stand before me as you, you would against a robber. Jesus, the giver. Being responded to as Jesus, the robber. Y'all know the crowds, the crowds that love God until he takes something away from. Them, as if he was a robber. Come on now. I just said this to somebody. I think I actually said it in the Bible study. I'm not sure. But I said, you know, if if you got hit by somebody, but you knew it was a mistake, you wouldn't respond in anger. But if you got hit by somebody and you knew it wasn't a mistake, you knew it was intentional, however you knew, you would respond differently. See, Jesus saw these people responding to him. And he understood that they did not understand who he was. They didn't understand who he was. Otherwise, if they understood who he was, it would change their mind, therefore change the way they saw him and the way they dealt in life. But somebody was able to talk to them and change their mind about Christ because they respond to what they hear and what they see. Case in point, Matthew 27 and 20. Now the chief priests and elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. This crowd could be persuaded. The crowd can be persuaded. The crowd can be persuaded. This is the problem with the crowd. They can be persuaded. They're fickle. The very crowd that was saying praise Jesus is standing before him with swords and clubs to capture him. Not only because the scriptures uh, are fulfilling themselves, but because these people were willing participants in, in, in the way to be fulfilled that way. You got to understand it as as the crowd, if they only responded to what they hear and see, they're going to respond to the last person they saw and spoke to. Easily persuaded. Isn't the church, though? Easily persuaded. 
chief priests and elders. Matthew 11, verse 20. Jesus began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty mighty works had been done. He began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. See, the crowd, you got to understand, Jesus went there for the crowds. But he began to denounce these crowds because though he did mighty works, they didn't allow those mighty works to change them. The crowd has to transition to disciple. God is looking for the crowd to transition to disciple. How? Through repentance. God is looking for the crowd to turn away from their ways. And turn to the way. Everybody got different ways. Everybody in the crowd is a variety of ways. He's looking for this variety of ways to turn from their ways to the way. So he denounced them. It's time to step out of the crowd. It's time to dismiss the crowd. The, 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 you can replace cities with churches. He began to denounce the churches where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. He began to denounce all these Christians where his mighty works have been done. God did mighty things in my life, but he'll denounce me because I have not repented. We got to understand the gifts and the works and the, the, the healings, they come without repentance because they are supposed to cause us to repent. He says, woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. He says, if I, if, I, if I was kind enough to do work in Tyre and Sidon, they would have responded long time ago. He said, but I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. See, it was better for the crowd to just stay the people. But because Jesus chose, this is, this is something that we all have to understand. Jesus chose their town. But when he chooses your town and he does works in your town, not because you asked for him. He chose your town. He chose my family. He chose to do his works in my family. He chose your family. He chose to do works in your family. He chose to do works in your life. If you don't respond with repentance, you can say, hey, I didn't ask for him to do that. Doesn't matter. His works have now asked for you to do something. He said it'd be more bearable for the folks I didn't choose than for you. He said, and you, Capernaum, will you be exalted in heaven? You'll be brought down to Hades. I want you to understand we're talking about the spiritual ramifications of the way you walk amongst this physical earth. You can't live forever. God got patience. None of what he's talking about. He's saying woe to you as in what is eternally waiting for you. Your eternal ramifications. There's no, there's, you, don't, you don't have to worry about these ramifications on earth. The crowd will feel fine. They will look fine. They will seem fine. There's eternal ramifications for the crowd not responding to God's works with repentance. Not you getting laid off, not your finances being hit, not your sickness in your body or sickness in your family body, not untimely deaths, not murders, 
not uh, sudden calamities, not whirlwinds and hurricanes, not diseases. I need you to understand. Jesus is warning them of the eternal ramifications of not responding to him on this earth. He said, will you be exalted in heaven? Ask yourself, will, I, will you be exalted in heaven? He says, nah, you'll be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. See, this is the, you got to hear what Jesus is saying. Got to hear what he's saying. He's saying that the mighty works should remain. When you sing that crowd with the swords and the clubs ready to capture Christ, treating him like a robber, he's saying, hey, you know, when I was teaching you in the temple, those works were supposed to stay in you. When I healed you of blindness, that work was supposed to stay in you. You were supposed to be blind no more. When I healed your body of sickness, that work was supposed to stay in you. When I raised you from the dead, that work was supposed to stay in you. If he ain't talking to nobody, he talking to me. I'm going to tell you this. I listen to this stuff. I go back and listen because it's for me too. I told, committed myself to God in that way before I ever hit, hit record on the first episode. I said, if, if this was only for me, then I'm going to do it. was supposed to remain until this day when you say this day you talk about today and tomorrow you can say the work's supposed to remain till this day says, but I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you Matthew 13, 36 says, then he left the crowds and went into the house and his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. Using the scripture, because I'm going to close out with this, there's an understanding that I have to transition to a disciple. And I do that by turning away from who I was and turning to who Christ is. I do that by turning away from who I was and turning to who Christ is. We're going to have another podcast and we will talk about, there will be a part two to this, and we will talk about the disciple part. But I want to set you up by understanding that where we're at, not pers- not just personally, but where we at as a church, where we're at as a Christian people, is we look more like a crowd than we do disciples. We look more like a crowd. See, because when he left the crowds, And went into the house. The disciples went in with him. People went on with their life. The disciples went on with Christ. And wanted explanations. They wanted more teaching. See, teaching can astound you. But Jesus is astounded by those who want to be taught more. Healing can astound you. But Jesus is astounded by those who want to be healed more. Wait a minute. He already healed my sight. What more could I want from him? Him to heal your body, soul, and mind. Wait a minute. He already taught me that. I know that lesson already. What more do I need to learn from him? You need to learn of him. Learn of him. 
See, I used, I referenced Matthew uh, it, where he was talking to the people about John. And I used that, Matthew 11. But after he said that, he said, Let, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. He goes on to say, come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn of me. We talked about that last week, higher learning. Our job is to want to learn more, not more subject matter. The subject matter don't change, but more in the way of deeper understanding of the subject matter. Jesus is always the subject. But you are in higher levels. You don't just take 101 and then you go off to, to your regular life and say, well, I got the Christian certification. There is no certification for me and a Christian. There's a constant, ever-moving learning of who Christ is so that we might turn from our ways and turn to his way. He is the way. The, it, the reason it's ways is because there's so many ways to skin a cat. There's so many ways to burn in hell. There's so many ways to destroy ourselves. There's so many ways to be pleasured. There's so many ways to be happy. There's so many ways to get rich. There's so many ways to do so many things. But there's only one way to get to heaven. And if you are concerned, I need to start saying this more. If you are concerned about your eternal well-being, seek Christ. If you are concerned about your earthly well-being, seek money. Money solves all of those things. But if you're concerned, even those people who say, you know, money don't buy you happiness. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. It don't buy you happiness, but it does buy you a different type of sadness. A type of sadness that many people who have the other type of sadness really would love. Come on now. Let's 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 get over. It. Let's let's wake up for a second. If you care about your eternal ramifications of your life, if you care about your eternal destination, if you care about your spiritual well-being, your spiritual well-being, then it's time for you to move out of the crowd. It's time to you move into being a disciple. It's time for you to stop trying to find ways and start following the way. It's the reason why the church is so many denominations because it's just a crowd of people stuck in their ways. Come to this church if you like things to be done this way. Come to that church if you like things to be done this way. When is it that it's going to be a place where somebody say, come to this church if you want to do it the way. The way is not mimicking what was done in the Old Testament. The Old Testament has purposes. The purpose of the Old Testament is to understand the character of God, to understand the lengths that he is willing to go to preserve his design. But if you want to understand the way that you should go, I can go to the Old Testament and learn the way of God. But if you want to learn the way you should go, you need to learn the way of Christ. He was designed in God's way so that he, he might show us a new way to please God. I can't please God the way they did in Leviticus. I can't please God the way they did in Deuteronomy. I don't have to cut no goat. I don't have to spread the blood on no altar before I can walk in. I don't have to worry about entering into a room and dropping dead. I don't have to worry about stoning people who reject God. Have my family be killed. I don't have to worry about that because that's the way it worked then to show me how God Worked and how passionate he was about finding a way to reclaim and repurpose and redeem his design. And then he found the way and his name is Jesus Christ. And his way is the way that I should go. So I should be learning about Christ. 
how he moves, how he interacts, how he talks, how he deals with trouble, how he deals with success, how he deals with joy, how he deals with pain, how he deals with love. I should be learning of him. It's that commitment to learning of him that is actually drawing me to being a disciple. These disciples wanted to know what Jesus meant so that they can change their ways. They didn't want to know what he meant so they can be more more astonished. I don't take it personal when people really, they call and then they just, it's like a spiritual jukebox. They call you, they will ask you something and then they just want to sit and be entertained. Tell me more about what you were saying. Hey, what do you feel about this? I like to get your perspective on that. And they just pressing the buttons and I'm just winding myself up and ready to roll. But the reality is, and this is a sad reality. A lot of us aren't understanding the hard truth is while I'm astonished by the teachings, while I'm I feel like I'm responding to a truth at the end of the day, if I see something different or hear something different, I am easily changed. Because I'm the crowd and I'm not a disciple. I'm the crowd and I'm not a disciple. Episode 119. I just wanted to give y'all that. That's that's hot off the press. That's, you know, middle of the night talking with me and my God. And I wanted to share that with you. He's He has me on this focus. I think that we're, we're doing so much and we're not keeping it simple. I, I, I'm tempering my expectations with people now. Uh, my re- the reality is I'm to teach I ain't to play games I'm to teach When I'm done teaching I'm to go be taught I'm not to sit and try to watch the grass grow I'm to mind my business And continue to grow And develop And move And build Spend time with God And fight for time with God Even on the busiest week I've had in a little while He know how to get the time out of you. He the best boss ever. Episode 119, The Crowd and the Disciple. God bless.